0: Thanks a lot for stopping by. Glad to have this man on. It's Christopher Rufo. He's the author of America's Cultural Revolution. How the radical left conquered everything, and they certainly have. Chris, how are you? Good to see you doing very well good to see you listen really love following you on twitter we follow each other and i appreciate the follow back um everything that you post is so pertinent it's so spot on and a lot of it revolves around education I'm, i'm gonna let you a little a little in on me before i was 10 i cared about the news i cared about the constitution i cared about about getting the word out and being truthful with information but I think that I got it wrong. I had a very simplistic view on why the left has control of everything now that I'm in my 50s. And I thought it was because, well, Americans just focus on what Americans focus on. And, well, these people just somehow grab the uh, the, the energy and they grab the power wherever they could. And we woke up one day and there it was. It was really more concerted than that, wasn't it? They went right after the kids, didn't they?
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. And uh, the story that I tell in America's Cultural Revolution, uh, which debuted this week on Amazon as the number one bestseller, Uh, tells the really the secret history of the radical left's long march to the institutions. And it goes from 1968 to that summer of 2020 with George Floyd when people really started to be alert to these problems. Um, But but as I describe it, it's not by accident. It's not by coincidence. This is part of a concerted effort. It began in the universities, went into the K through 12 school system, went into the HR bureaucracies under the guise of diversity, equity and inclusion. And then by 2020, in some ways, it was too late. The institutions had been captured. Uh, they revealed this ideology everywhere. And all of our institutions seemed to suddenly kneel down before BLM, critical race theory, gender ideology, um, and and related ideas.
0: Literally kneel down. Uh, you're not just saying that figuratively. You had members of Congress take a knee. You had police take a knee. The FBI took a knee. The military was taking a knee. And they were taking a knee out of complete disdain for the symbol of our freedom and liberty, the symbol of our Constitution, our flag. I mean, uh, that was going on, plus they were taking a knee because of some uh, assumed racism that we all have as well. How are they able to do that? You and I didn't take a knee. Me- millions of us didn't take a knee. But those who were allegedly representing this country were all on their knees, begging for forgiveness for something that I didn't think
1: we did. It's, it's perhaps an example of one of the greatest uh, instances of emotional and political manipulation in America's history? And that's exactly the question that I answer in the book. I describe this 50-year campaign to lay an intellectual foundation uh, that began with the Black Panther Party and the Black radical movements and Marxist-Leninist guerrilla fighters of the 1960s. These ideas then went into into the academy um, as Black studies departments and university after university after university. And then it informed the Marxist radicals of the Black Lives Matter movement as they took their ideas back out from the universities and back into the streets. um, They had the narrative, they had the language, they had the ideology, they had the institutions. And then with George Floyd, they finally had the inciting incident um, to to bring their ideas to the top of American society and to manipulate the emotions of uh, guilt, shame, anger, envy, revenge uh, in order to uh, have the American public uh, submit to their ideas. And thankfully, people have come to their senses since that time. But we shouldn't forget uh, just how dominant these ideas were. And the book is an attempt to explain exactly where they come from, exactly how they gain power, and exactly where it hopes to take the country.
0: America's Cultural Revolution, How the Radical Left Conquered Everything. It's uh, Christopher Rufo, rufo.substack.com. Go to the website, go to Amazon or anywhere you get great books and get this book right now. The George Floyd situation was, of course, um, you know that, that was ground zero for why this thing went so crazy in the summer of 2020 and so on. But if you break that down directly, and people who tell the truth, like you and I, we know that George Floyd wasn't a good guy. We know that he broke the law that day. We know that the guy who ended up, uh, according to a jury, taking his life, faced the music, was convicted. Everything happened that should have happened when it came to that case. Why were they able to take a guy that was no saint and literally make, give him sainthood in George Floyd Square in Minneapolis. To, to this day, it's an autonomous zone in Minneapolis. You can't go in there. Why, why were they so able to do that with a guy? This wasn't Martin Luther King Jr. This was George Floyd the criminal.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's really symbolic. And what I think it represents um, in a political sense is that uh, George Floyd was a, a a criminal. He was a, a horrific uh, person uh, if you look at his actual life history. Yes. Um, but for the left, he was a useful political tool, and the left is willing to forgive or even celebrate any kind of moral transgression, as long as it uh, advances their political project. So it is really a cynical symbol that the left has abandoned any pretense at a moral hierarchy. They've, they've reduced it all to the will to power, and George Floyd advances left-wing power, and therefore he is a saint to the left. Um, uh, I, I mean, I think it's crazy, but Uh, It really is this philosophy of revenge that Friedrich Nietzsche talks about 150 years ago that you see in almost perfect form. Uh, It's really one of the most shocking uh, symbols of our time. It's uh, Christopher
0: Rufo, America's Cultural Revolution. Get this book. Follow him everywhere. His Twitter feed is amazing. Go to rufo.substack.com and follow him there as well does barack obama obama get a lot of the blame or the praise depending on which side you're on for a lot of this because again he did that speech in 2004 on my brother's keeper and wow dynamic and a great speaker what an orator and you really hold a he's a superstar then he gets into office and basically for eight years just did revenge ideology is he the guy that really uh lit a fire to the or threw gas in the fire
1: you know, you know, I, I actually think um, probably not. I don't think right. that he's one of the major contributors to this process, um, although certainly some of the people around him, at least earlier on his career, were part of this movement. Um, I think Obama took, at, at the end of the day, a, a kind of careful, cautious, uh, rhetorical style. Um, but in a sense that a lot of these ideologies gained steam underneath him. And so he kind of pretended to be above the fray while a lot of the people at the lower level, the activist level, the intellectual level, were advancing the ideology uh, more towards the fringes. But if you look at it historically, this really takes off um, 2015, 2016, 2017. I think that the left took some of the chaos and anxiety around the ascendance of President Trump, and they capitalized on it okay. um, by, by making these narratives mainstream narratives that were pounded into the public's head over and over and over. And that you know, four or five year period, they established the predicate or the, the, the kind of necessary preconditions for something like George Floyd to happen and then turn into a national um, uh, crisis. Um, and so uh, as I trace it, um, Obama is kind of a minor figure in this story. And that's, that's in some ways the story of his presidency. I mean, you know, what, what did he really do in eight a-
0: Lost the audio on the interview for some reason. Not really sure why that happens every once in a while, but uh, important interview for sure. I'm going to see if I can pick it back up. I'm not sure, to be honest with you, but it's a very important interview, and I want to make sure that I get back to it. So let's give that a shot and see if, in fact, that'll that'll take us back. What Christopher Rufo is saying is vital for everybody to know. Looks like it's not going to work. That's okay. We can always just talk it out. Uh, What he has to say is going to be completely up on Rumble later on tonight. We'll put it up on Rumble. I try to get these interviews up there at about uh, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock Eastern time. But very, very important interview, and he really does break down exactly what's going on. When it comes to um, the bottom line is the left owns everything. Big tech, big media, big education, that's big academia, big Hollywood, big sports, and you wonder why and he gets in depth into exactly why that is going to grab a, a, a break here we're going to come back and try to play you a little bit more of that interview when we come back on the joe pag show stay right here this is the joe pag show important interview with Christopher Rufo. I'm going to get right back to it. We're going to pick it up from where we uh, lost the audio for some reason. Gremlins and the Machines on the Joe Pack show. Let's go. I feel like it was less about him and I wonder what your thoughts are on this. And it was more about Clinton not winning. They assumed she was going to win 98% to two or 97 to three the night before the election. They thought she would win. And then what, what Obama and those surrounding Obama did put it on steroids and really finished the progressive movement. Uh, do you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I mean, even I was shocked uh, that that election night. I think everyone remembers where they were. Um, And and certainly, they felt that they were robbed. They felt that Hillary was entitled to the presidency. I mean, imagine that. No one's entitled to the presidency. Um, But I I think that what they had to do in their own minds to justify their feelings was to discredit, delegitimize, impeach, remove, and now prosecute uh, the president of the United States, now obviously former president of the United States. Yeah in order to justify their feelings that he was illegitimate. And so obviously uh, all all of these campaigns have been deeply destructive. Most of them have been based on total fabrications, Um, but you see that they pursue their political goals relentlessly. And that's something that we should remember. Uh, This isn't an enemy that plays by any kind of uh, fair rules. When when the kind of left-wing activist apparatus aligned with state institutions decides to ruin your life, Um, They're going to go after you by whatever means necessary.
0: Politicians are going to do what politicians do. By the way, it's Christopher Rufo, rufo rufo.substack.com. R-U-F-O is his uh, his name. Uh, America's Cultural Revolution, get this book. It's uh, doing very, very well on Amazon and elsewhere. How did they infiltrate? Again, politicians do what politicians do. How did they infiltrate sports? I never thought of sports as political, maybe save for a fist up in the air in 1968. How did they infiltrate uh, music? Yeah, Okay, you've got a music, an anti-war song here and there, but generally speaking, it was just entertainment. How did they infiltrate academia to the point where it's 12 to 1, liberal to conservative professors? How are they so successful in those non-political, generally speaking, historically non-political realms? You
1: know, I, I think a large point, uh, a large part of the reason that they're able to be successful is that, um, you know, they just care more. They fight harder. They're more diligent. They're more dogged. They pursue their goals uh, relentlessly. And whereas many conservatives who have a, a more libertarian, less faire fair approach to governance um, have created the space to allow this conquest to occur. But on those specific examples that seem kind of strange, like sports or music yeah. or entertainment, even country music, the answer is more complex. The answer, I think, is a really a two-part thing. One, internally, in HR departments, civil rights compliance departments, uh, marketing departments, you have a lot of younger people that have, they bring their own political ideology to the workplace, and then you have older executives uh, that that defer or really abdicate uh, their moral responsibilities to those younger, more activist employees, and they're terrified that the New York Times and MSNBC and the other members of the left-wing press will come after them, will slander them, will call them racist, will say they're not doing enough, and so the system of incentives that's around them, internally as well as externally, pushes them further and further to the left. They don't pay a price up until recently. They have not paid a price by signaling their, their compliance with the left. And so fortunately that's changing. Um, Bud Light, Target, Disney, the right is starting to learn how to use political power to persuade right. uh, the CEOs to not just buckle to the left. Um, but we have to do a lot more work on that front. In order to get these ceos to say you know there's a risk on both sides now so let's be quite careful
0: as we're speaking um have they jumped the shark and i'll give you a couple of examples that that make me ask you that rfk jr a democrat the son of rfk for god's sakes the 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 nephew of jfk is in front of congress today in an anti-censorship hearing and he's being accused of hate speech and if you say the words hate speech you can now censor people Wasserman Schultz and others literally tried to shut him up today in a hearing that was about censorship and then you've got Jason Aldean with this not in a small town or try that in a small town or something whatever the name of the song is where there's not one mention of race in the song and the video shows all sorts of races acting stupidly yet they're being he's being called racist which of course he isn't are are we now seeing them cross the line in America going okay enough
1: I I mean, I I always hope so, and then sometimes I'm surprised that Americans aren't thinking that way. Um, But I mean, across the board, whether it's on uh, censorship from technology companies or uh, these kind of ridiculous moral tests on music and cultural productions, um, I mean, they will go as far as they possibly can. And what we have to realize is that we can't appeal to their principles because their principles are fully supportive of censoring what they deem hate speech. We actually, actually have to make them feel a sense of uh, power and opposition so that we push back more forcefully. So we say, here's the line, you can't cross it, and if you do, there are going to be political, economic, uh, and, and policy consequences. Yeah. Um, that, that's the only language that these folks understand. And. Uh, As I was writing the book, um, this is not new. Uh, This has been the case ever since their revolution really began in 1968. Um, This is how they operate, and this is how they must be stopped.
0: America's Cultural Revolution, How the Radical Left Conquered Everything. His name is Christopher Rufo. Go to rufo.substack.com and follow Chris everywhere that you possibly can. Um, uh, again, we have now deemed a, – a, there's a brand-new word called malinformation that RFK Jr. talked about today. You've got disinformation, which is purposely putting out the wrong information. Misinformation, where I might put something out that turns out to be wrong. Then there's malinformation, which is what big tech used, as you know to say, well, Pags can't say, or Rufo can't say, or or Kennedy can't say, because we just don't want people to know about it, even though it's true. Um, do you find that to be the, the, the most useful linguistic tool that they use by saying, well, Rufo might be saying what's true, but we better shut him down and censor him, because if people hear what he's saying, that's going to hurt us.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's actually really incredible. And, and if you think about it, um, by inventing this new term, malinformation, they're, they're admitting defeat. Uh, they're admitting it's that uh, many of the things that they used to call conspiracy theories a couple years ago that have turned out to be true are actual factual statements now, uh, you know, whether it's the lab leak or, or uh, uh, you know, that, Ivermectin uh, doesn't work. Is, yeah. you know, wh- whatever it is, you know, and uh, and so they have to say, well, OK, it's true, but we don't like it. So we're going to censor it anyways. And so this is actually a retreat on behalf of the left. And this is a less defensible position in some ways. So yeah. uh, I think we have them on their heels. We have to push. We have to tell the truth. We have to fight them wh- wherever they need to be fought. Um, and, uh, and, and, and I'm optimistic, ultimately, about the future. Yeah, I am too. Rufo.substack.com.
0: Uh, go to, and follow Christopher Rufo everywhere. In less than a minute that we have left, what's the first best step for those listening and watching? Is it to, to go to the school board meetings? And if you don't get what you want from your public school that you're forced to pay for homeschool, go to private school, look into a charter school. It it has to start with education and young people, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it does. And I would say, though, for the first best step is uh, uh, to pick up a copy of America's Cultural Revolution uh, to learn about what's happening around them. And parents need to, of course, get involved in local politics, local schools, local institutions, all of the things that matter for them. Uh, But what they really need is information. They need good arguments. They need to understand the history. They need to understand their opponents. And that's exactly the reason that I wrote this book, is to give the average citizen who cares about his or her in local institutions and this country um, everything that they need to fight the radical left and to retake America's institutions.
0: I appreciate Christopher Rufo coming on. Go follow him on Twitter. It's um, at real Chris Rufo at real. R-E-A-L-C-H-R-I-S-R-U-F-O. Go and follow him right now. Now, that entire interview, you got most of it, if not all of it. And again, I apologize about that audio issue. But the entire interview will be up on Rumble tonight. You know how to get to Rumble. It's pretty simple. R-U-M-B-L-E.com on your desktop or on your uh, iPad, wherever you want to use. And then do slash Joe Pags. Make it easier. Go to JoePags.com. Click on the Rumble link. Or click on the link that says Watch. Not Watch Now. Watch. And you'll see all the interviews. Dr. Jesse from yesterday. You'll see uh, Matt Gates from earlier today. And again, the Matt Gates interview is an interesting one because it actually goes a lot longer than uh, I was able to give you on the air. It's about three more minutes. There's another question in there about the Air Force Superintendent and about gender ideology. That's going to do it for us tonight, the Joe Pag Show. Glad that you stopped by. Uh, make sure you come by to, uh, again tomorrow night, same time, same place. In the meantime, go and check out those videos on Instagram or on YouTube. YouTube, it's at Joe Pag's Radio. On Instagram, it's at Joe Talk Show. Really appreciate you hanging out. For Sam, for Kurt, for Carrie, I'm Joe. Have a great night. We'll see you back here tomorrow. See ya. This is the Joe Talk Show.